0: Howdy do, buckaroos. Welcome to the after show. Let's see if we can remember um how all of this is supposed to work.
1: Where are the damn I, buttons? where, where I replaced, don't understand? Who replaced all these knobs and switches with with, with buttons? I don't Whose voice is that? Jim Crackery. No Why are there voices in my <laughs> head? Anyway, sorry, didn't mean to interrupt.
0: What, what smells like mustard? Okay. Um <laughs>
1: you smell smoke something burning
0: where's that woman who feeds me okay um so hi everybody we're back uh trying to sort it all out get back in yawn podcasting saddle uh i'm your co-host kelly with me is my co-host mike rose hi
1: mike hi kelly good morning
0: (laughs) is it i haven't checked
1: it's so morning (laughs) we're so we're i
0: got dressed and launched skype so i don't know if it's a good morning or not
1: it's, I need a T-shirt that says that got dressed, Launch Skype. Um, <laughs> we are we are what we're glad to be back. We're we were thrilled with the response to to the the many Kellys to the Kelly multiplicity shows. The two shows we did a couple months ago uh, with our special guest Kelly O'Coin that was so much fun that we we took uh, several months off to recover, uh, as we sometimes do. I was away. Uh, Kelly's been very busy, but we're back and and. In order to coordinate our schedules for this week's show, Kelly said something that she's never said to me in all the years I've known her, which is, <laughs> let's make a plan to do something at 8 a.m., um, which other than meeting at Mel's Diner for breakfast at Macworld, I can't think of another time you've said, here's a good plan. Let's do something at 8 a.m. Uh,
0: because I'm generally against 8 a.m.
1: <laughs> on, on, on principles as a
0: concept i'm just i'm not there i want to be i'm not there
1: so um so yeah so we're we're recording this at a a very civilized 11 11 11 30 a.m eastern time <laughs> and a deeply uncivilized uh 8 30 8 24 a.m pacific yeah. time on a saturday so all that said great to be here and we're glad to be back with you guys again
0: And two things I would like to point out is that for those who were super into the uh, plurality of Kelly's program, um, he and I are still threatening to do a Blazers podcast. (laughs) So that conversation has continued. So if you really want to hear the two us two goofballs um be goofballs about basketball, that might still be a thing. And if you are interested in that, let me know so that we know we'd at least have, you know, a couple of listeners. And I would give it at least to start the same rules as we have here, which is if you openly admit in public that you listen to the show, we will say hello to you on the next episode. Um I would al- I also know that he said invite me back whenever you want, so we will have him on our show again. And uh, I since the guest show went well, uh, I think we are going to have other guests in the future, and we will let you know as those developments develop.
1: Absolutely, and I'm still giggling uh, of about the show title of "Better with a Healthy Healthy Nurkic." I can't, <laughs> I can't, I can't get past that one. Unfortunately, um, I would, I would definitely listen to a, a, a Two Kelly's Blazer Show. Uh, I'm, you know, I don't think I'm alone. Uh, maybe I am. Sometimes I am alone <laughs> in my desires. Uh, but I think that would be a great idea. And I hope that, I hope that it comes to fruition. Um, what, uh, what <laughs> alone in my desires you think? Sometimes is I am title? alone <laughs> in my desires. Yes. <laughs> just, I just wanted to be sure I knew what we were talking about. Um, <laughs> so, uh, what's, what's been going on, Kelly? We haven't spoken in a while. So tell me, tell me where things are at. What's been, what's been hopping? What's been going on?
0: Oh my goodness. Um so much stuff. So um I'm I hesitate to call myself this, but I am aspiring to Mac admin status now. You're kidding. No, totally wow. not kidding. Um because uh that's what happens when you're the person who has spent the most time in IT slash hardware deployment slash corporate device management trenches. Of, of all of the people involved in an organization, uh, they all sort of look to you, it, it, like, is this a thing that you'd be interested in? And actually, I am. So uh, AppCamp this year has added, app, um, has added iPads to the mix. So when you think about, we have um, equipment that has to be uh, shipped out to each camp, which includes 12 iPods and six laptops uh, for each camp that we do.
1: A lot of gear. And then,
0: yeah. Um, in fact, they have custom Pelican cases with like special, specially measured foam cutouts.
1: I love, I love those cases. I love the road cases with the custom cutouts. That's just just me, but I love it. Um,
0: and, and ours, we, we put stickers on ours. Like we're proud of, of all of like, so when we get sponsors that have stickers, we put those stickers on, uh, we have one that's the shape of Oregon and the pattern of the PDX carpet that was purchased specially to put on the case because of me, um, (laughs) <laughs> we have some from material podcasts, so we have a little cartoon Andy and Notco on the side of the case, which is super cool um so anyway, we have these cases and and we ha- we did actually get to take them in because believe it or not, both the handles like cracked on them the wow. the one you pull out to a wheel behind you
1: yeah. And, the, and had, the hand carry one, or, or on the two cases, both the, both the yeah, was, handles cracked. Yeah,
0: it was the, uh, one of them had a separate issue that was causing trouble with the handle, and then the other one had this handle. So we took them to a place not far from here in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Um, we took the cases there to get them fixed, and they were like, yeah, we just upgraded you to the better handles because we've seen this problem a lot, so we're going to put the new handle on both cases. So we're super excited about it. Those guys were awesome. And they were super helpful with like, yeah, here's what's going to happen. So anyway, um, we have a lot of gear to keep track of and ship around and all this. And to that, we've added the new iPad Pro. Whoa.
1: Uh, and
0: Part of the reason for that is because Swift Playgrounds is an amazing learning tool.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So that's been really great. And uh, part of that is because uh, when you team it up with an Apple Pencil... And give them to developers who are unbelievably artistic, which happens every year. The art that comes out of App Camp every year will never cease to amaze me. In this year was our fifth summer doing camps. So, um and so this is ac- this year was actually camp number nine for me because we do two in Portland every year, except for this year. So. And then I've been to other camps and done other stuff in other places, but, um, we've had nine here in Portland and I've been at all of them. And every year when I, when I see the artwork during camp that, that's being generated, I'm just astounded every time. And I don't know if it's like on top of the fact that, that we get really talented artists into our app camp every summer. And if it's also because I have a special appreciation for that personally, because I basically like, if I drew a stick figure, I would have to right stick figure and put an arrow next to it. So you would know that's what I drew. So um, when we added the iPads to the mix, it was amazing. And um, it was also a nightmare of where are all of them and how do we, you know, uh how do we keep track of them and like do we have a list of serial numbers and one thing and another so uh, i stepped up and said i think i could probably pull off mobile device management if we're going to if, if we're on this scale yeah that sounds great and then they then i was told yeah guess what we're also adding ipads <laughs> this <year." laughs> so i'm like okay um yeah this is a thing we can do i can make that happen let's do that so um that's what we're doing so um in the last uh 3 4 months or so i've become good friends with configurator your oh friend my and gosh.
1: mine everybody's friend
0: well and and sometimes i have to air quote that and i don't know if you've been following me on twitter and i haven't made sense lately part of oh kelly uh oh
1: oh you're back we've been okay. follow- following you on twitter you were saying
0: At times that I cease to make sense, and that's probably because I'm just resorting to Twitter in a moment when I've been beating my head on mobile device management. And uh, you may have also seen a tweet that said, wow, I totally understand why my Mac admin buddies drink the way they do. (laughs) Um, But here's the interesting thing.
1: I lost you again. What, what What did you say just there?
0: Usually it only does it once. I'm gonna have to figure out what's up with that. Um, so I've been to I, I went to the Mac Tech conference in LA uh, yeah. for a few years, but a few years ago, and uh, in fact, how many years ago was it, Kelly? I went in the name of Tuah. That's how long ago. That's
1: a long time ago.
0: So much fun, and I met so many people. And at that point, part of what I noticed about Mac Tech was that the people there were. Um, they were like this sort of Apple solution underground railroad where they were like handing along. Let's see how to, that's not really the word I want to use. Cause it's not like it was actually trafficking anything. They were, they were this sort of like underground network of people. Um, I have this script that I use after an image You know, after I image a machine, I have this script that puts all the Wi Fi passwords on I have this thing that I do that binds everything to Active Directory. And I just remember hearing everybody sort of go around and swap their solutions and talk about the ways that they were managing the stuff that they were managing, specifically because the other tools available, like, were limited at best, and your selection was not very great. So a lot of that has gotten much better with deployment tools like Deploy Studio, Apple Building Configurator, and making Configurator useful. Um, there's another system called Monkey, which is a really great system that you can use for different stuff like that. And it's been an interesting journey. Let me put it that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, mostly because um, this is a thing that I'm pretty new to so in some cases i'm not even sure how to ask the question i'm trying to get the answer to and sometimes i have to sort of work backwards from it and go this is where i want to be how do i make that happen and i have to give a ton of kudos and support and good whiskey to (laughs) i'm sorry not whiskey bourbon a ton of good bourbon as well to tom bridge Mm -hmm. who does the mac Edmonds podcast who was super friendly reached out to me immediately and said if you're going to be doing mdm stuff if you need any help give me a call let me know we can i i can help you with whatever you need that's what i do all the time and um whenever i've had a question or needed to ask him like is this what this is supposed to be doing things like that um that has been super duper helpful And it's just another moment where I am reminded of how great the Apple community can be because um, anytime I've gone on Twitter and been like, I'm trying to do this and it doesn't work. I've gotten answers from people Um, like I did it this way or I found this website that has these tools that help you accomplish that. Tom's been unbelievably helpful, like I said. Um, And and people have just been really welcoming. So somebody was like, well, the first thing you need to do is join the Mac admin Slack so that you can get help with all this stuff as you need it. So I go to the Mac Admin Slack, and then somebody there, uh, a gentleman there whose name is escaping me right now, who's written books on Mac administration for people who are new to Mac administration, reached out to me and said, "I saw on Twitter that you're doing this for App Camp for Girls. I'd like to give you promo codes for copies of my book in the iBookstore so that you can get us started."
1: Well, that's incredibly uh, and- thoughtful.
0: I'm just like, it's another one of those moments where in a completely different section of the Apple community, um, I'm just finding again that I totally made the right decision to be that, to be part of the Apple community because I, I don't see this kind of stuff from other people who I know that are in other sorts of disciplines, like people trying to manage all their Android devices or people doing the same thing on the Windows side, um, like, I don't see the sort of community behind that stuff that I do with us. And uh, it, it's just another way that I'm, like, super grateful and really excited about um, getting to do this because I feel like I have help. Like, that's really well, what it comes down to.
1: Yeah, and, and that's one of the the amazing things about um, the extended, uh, the Mac community extended or the iOS developer community extended is that it is, while while there is... Some degree of competitiveness and some degree of you know, uh, what's the adjective I'm looking for? Um, you know, there, there, there are always there's always a spectrum of behavior and a spectrum of norms within any community. But yes. generally speaking, the the Mac community and the iOS community and their their respective spinoffs or or sub sub interest groups mm-hmm. are are always incredibly supportive and always welcoming of people who are. Who are getting their feet wet, and and I'll say, you know, not to not to put too much of a plug in here, but this is also true in the Salesforce community um, that that there's a there is an ethos of welcoming, there is an ethos mm-hmm. of remembering that everyone was a beginner once, and also the fact that stuff moves really quick, and even somebody who knows a lot or or is a, a very experienced and very capable. Participant in that community is going to occasionally run into stuff that they don't know, and they're mm-hmm. going to they're going to have the advantage of learning from somebody who does. So, uh, it, I'm I'm very thrilled to hear that that is the case in the Mac admin community. It certainly was true when I was on the the Mac admins mailing list uh, years ago, uh, and when I was a, a participant in that group, I I was fortunate that I I just barely got out ahead of having to implement mobile device management it was so close (laughs) it was a near thing but um but also even the vendors in that space uh casper and and uh, silverback and and a bunch of the or and uh, sorry jamf which is a a pacific northwest company and b you know does a lot of great work in the community as well um but these are these are capable solutions they're built on on Relatively solid technical choices, and they're the people involved in these in these uh, communities are fantastic, so I am thrilled that you saw that you have experienced that directly and gotten some guidance and help in in tackling what is always a pretty hairy operation
0: yeah, and um you know it it's it's sort of comforting in a way when I see something happen, and I go that's really weird, and I'm not sure what's going on there. And I go ask somebody about it. They go, wow, that's really weird. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, oh, good. Oh, good. Like, it's bad news that that's what's happening because I'm keep- it's keeping me from doing whatever I was trying to do. But I feel better that, like, my barometer is kind of the same as somebody who actually knows what they're talking about. <laughs> it's comforting in a way. Um, but I've been so pleased about, like, I've been learning a ton. And um, so far, I still don't hate it. So I'm taking that as a victory. And, like, for the most part, it's making sense, but I'm still just really new. Like, I, I'm not full on, you know, yet in, in most of this. So um, it's been really interesting and a lot of fun for AppCamp. And uh, AppCamp is, it, we're in the midst of App Camp season right yeah. now. How,
1: really. did it, how did it go in Portland earlier this month?
0: So Portland this year was really interesting. Um, not in a bad way. It was just, it was actually interesting. You know, like, people go, that was interesting. Like, No. Um what we did this year in Portland instead of having two camps was we had one camp with 20 developers instead of two camps of 12. Hmm. So scaling that that scaling like that um brought us a bunch of stuff we just sort of didn't think about which is um you know at first it seemed like we were having a hard time um getting people engaged and part of that is because when you sit 20 developers in a classroom and they all are sitting at when you sit 20 developers in a room at tables it feels like school and so they're not encouraged to speak out just because they feel like it or you know so at first it was kind of hard to draw everybody out till we sort of got them like really understanding this is what we were doing and you know it's okay to ask us it's okay to put your hand up and you know say something or whatever Mm -hmm. so um that was interesting uh keeping track of 20 instead of 12 for a field trip was interesting (laughs) Mm. but the good news of it was um because we had camp in downtown portland this year uh we could walk to panic mad love to panic um who offers us a field trip every year and uh so they like not only do they willingly allow us to bring a bunch of high school girls into their office and take a tour and sort of disrupt everybody with all these guests But additionally, um, they invite us to stay for lunch and they bring in sandwiches and um, Stephen and Cable and uh, whoever else from Panic uh, comes and sits with us in their lunch area and goes around and asks, like, can I take, can I try out the app that you have? Like previously we've done quiz apps and this year we've restructured the app a little bit. So it's just called Four Buttons. So you start at the beginning and you and you can do whatever you want to do, you know, to tell a story. And there's five screens on each screen. You choose from four choices. And at the end, there is a result. It used to just be we used to just call it the quiz app and let them make it a quiz. But this year we've we've tweaked that a little bit so that they can have a little bit more flexibility in what they want to do with the with the app. So. They come around and go, hey, can I check out the app that you have? Like, you know, tell me. And then they ask questions like, tell me about developing it. Was this, you know, how easy was it to come up with this idea? That artwork looks really great. So it's like they're super great to us every year. And I was really so I'm I'm excited every year when we get to go to Panic. I'm, I'm always really pleased about that. Um, so this year we had to walk to Panic instead of worrying about coordinating a literal busload bus. of people. Yeah. Yeah. And getting bus passes for everybody to get on the bus and dealing with all of the people on the bus who are going, what on earth just happened? I feel like I've been invaded.
1: You, kind of have. <laughs> you really uh, kind of have, actually. Yeah.
0: So uh, that's st- so like, you know, that was another interesting thing sort of to, to think about. And we're downtown. So the options for just go outside for a little while are a little different. <laughs> so... um. Like it was really interesting. So we had camp. We ended camp a week ago. Um, this last week, Seattle had camp, and Phoenix had camp. And then next week is Chicago. So that's going to be exciting. Um, this is our first year in Chicago.
1: That's amazing. And you so you yeah. guys have never done it in Chicago before. This is the first nope. first time. Yes, that's, is that the furthest east that App Camp has made it so far? Yes. Yes. I'm I'm waiting for Brooklyn. I'm I'm actually I have the form, I have the future camp interest form up on my screen. <laughs> uh like I before my before my younger participant ages out, I wanna get yes. you guys out here. We gotta we gotta make this happen. Make and, it happen. And in fact I will be able to tell her when she says, I don't wanna I don't wanna go to you know, I don't wanna do this. I'm like, no, tough. I'm like I'm booking this for you. Now um, let me
0: tell you an interesting story about that. Yes because we get those kids we get every year there's always at least a couple who um because we give a survey at the beginning of camp and a survey at the end of camp and we see how the how the answers have evolved and you know on monday we get a lot of my parents made me come my mom made me come my dad signed me up for this you know whatever mm-hmm. um and then you know and so like a like and we've had this like hardcore on monday where somebody's basically just checked out like i don't care this isn't interesting to me this isn't what i want to do and then something happens and for every developer that we have through camp it's different um it's either like somehow getting xcode explained and approach and made approachable Mm -hmm. for some for for some of our developers is super exciting And for some of them, it's, oh, I accidentally turned my iPod sideways and the code and the the app crashed. Wait, so like it's somebody's job to just go break stuff. And like, (laughs) that's super exciting. And somebody who finds out that like, there's a little bit more than just drawing pictures that you can do that can be a career in software, you know, um, because user experience and user design and user interface are all things that are interesting and necessary, because without those things your apps are ugly and they're hard to figure out how to use. So somebody's really excited about that and then someone else finds out that, you know, it can be your whole job to be marketing and PR, like how do I tell the world about this amazing app that my team has built? And somebody's really excited about that and getting to create the presentation about um you know, about the app and how we're going to market and how we're different from everyone else. And by Friday, there's a lot of like every year, you know, one of the one of the the girls who rolled in on Monday Mm -hmm. comes in and is like I'm just here because my dad made me or my mom's my mom says I have to go to camp you know one camp a month and this was the one for this month or whatever like for some reason they're sort of there under duress and by Friday they're super excited they're pumped about their app they are really sad to see all of us go they're the ones that say like why can't can't be two weeks you know and and it like the change is amazing to watch and every year it's super gratifying to see somebody who at the beginning was maybe unsure, or just over it. And by the end of the week, they're super engaged, they've built an app, they've got something, you know, tangible that came out of this week, that's not just, you know, um, some sort of plastic lanyard or whatever. And it's really exciting. And it's always really fun to watch that evolution happen.
1: Well, and, and to, to be able to take somebody from that place of reluctance, or, you know, sort of, Grudging engagement with the topic and and find find the part of it that's exciting for them. That's awesome. Um, I actually i not not at camp specific, but I spoke yesterday very briefly to a group of uh, pep up participants from Monroe College here in New York and in, in the Bronx and and helping them think about what their IT or technology career path might be. And you know, for them understanding, hey, there's there's roles within technology that are somewhere in between, uh, sales and marketing and, mm-hmm. you know, operations or project development or architecture and like trying to figure out what they want to do. It, it opens up people's eyes. It makes it, it makes some, a, it, it creates a wider landscape of possibilities. Um, but go, well, go ahead, thought, and then we're going to come back yeah. to something. Go ahead.
0: That's the thing that, that I really like about App Camp is, you know, people, Sometimes people have this expectation that what we're doing is trying to create a dozen computer scientists every camp. And that's not true. Mostly what we're trying to do is expose, uh, you know, all of our developers who are going into eighth or ninth grade, basically just sort of show them the possibilities that there are because not everything is just hunching over a laptop typing mystery characters into some sort of weird interface and then swearing at it when it doesn't do what you want like there's so much more to software than that and sometimes it's just a matter of exposing that to people you know like you can go on panic's blog for example and look at what their office looks like and so, show, you know, we show them this is what a functioning software office looks like. Not all of them look like this, but some of them do. And, uh, you know, he, we have uh, Krista Morgan come in and she talks about uh, user experience. Like, it's a thing that a lot of people know, but maybe haven't really had a conversation about before. And so, showing that off and giving people ideas. And, you know, um, we had a camp last year in Vancouver, BC. And camp there got to go to Electronic Arts for their field trip so like they got to speak to a woman who literally her entire job is lighting in games where do you put the light so that you can see what you want to see how does light change the mood that's her whole job and that's a you know that's a thing that a lot of people maybe don't think about as like this could be a career path for me that's a thing i'm really interested in so um just sort of showing off all the different pieces of software development and software creation and getting an app out into the world is really great. You know, and and I feel like there sometimes isn't enough exposure to all of that and people are really focused on code because you keep seeing these you know, these rants and essays and blog posts about how everybody needs to learn to code and like I'm not necessarily on on board that train. We do, you know, we do teach people to code, but we're also teaching them that there's a legitimate role for all these other sorts of things that aren't necessarily code that could still make you a person who works in software, works in technology. And those don't necessarily need to be the same thing. There's a lot more to software than Xcode.
1: I'm just, I'm just thinking now about the fact that when you say electronic arts, the first thing I think of is pinball construction set. That's how old I am. (laughs) That. That and and the and and in fact the excitement of that of seeing that logo come up on the screen I'm like oh something cool is gonna happen um, yeah anyway that's where 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 my brain uh, goes the, so we we've been talking about we've been talking about training or or exposing the next generation of creators whether they whether they end up on you know. Whether they end up with their noses deep in Xcode all the time, or they end up marketing, or they they're designing, or they're uh, engaging with technology in some way, and, and how AppCamp does that. And you you were talking before we got on the on the show this morning about uh, some of the vintage tools, some of the some of the old school <laughs> stuff, uh, and mentioned one of our favorite products from Panic, as a matter of fact, which is. Yes. Uh, transmit coming sort of you know it's been it's been nicely ticking along for years there's a new version of transmit how old school is that
0: <laughs> um it's so old school that uh, if you listen to me talk about it on the mac observer daily observations podcast you hear me call it transit
1: <laughs> not <laughs> not the same product it is oh it was well, originally tra- Was it? I think Transit was a different tool. Maybe not. No.
0: Well, no. There was a different tool with the same name, which is why it's Transmit now. (laughs) So it was called Transit in the first place, and I was like, "That's dumb. I'm just gonna call it Transit anyway." And like, I remember installing that on like a Power Mac seventy six hundred, maybe. Yeah. So, um, it was. It was old school. Like, I remember it from way back. And I think it's just because, like, Portland is is kind of a small place when you talk, at least it used to be much smaller when you talk about tech. And so I knew people who knew these guys who had released this FTP client. So I was like, okay, I'll try it out. Like, everything else is kind of ugly right now. Maybe these guys care about design. And they did. So I started using it then. And I want to say that that was, like, 97, 98 yeah. And uh and it's been on every computer I've had ever since. And you know, that was like that was power PC, so we've gone through at least two major transitions, one hardware and one software, since and uh And it's yeah. still
1: still ticking over. Well and I mean, here and, it is. And and the it's it's sometimes hard to explain to folks the, the experience of a really good file transfer utility if you don't care about it. Um, we have so many ways of getting files from point to point now. We have so many tools that can be used for it. But to, to say, no, 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 I need something that does this job of moving bits around really well. And I need it to not bother me <laughs> because I have to look yeah. at it all the time. Um, and I I, I I recall at one point, I, I had I had been handing out Cyberduck uh, because yes. if which was a free is free FTP utility it's
0: still ex- it's also still, still in existence still exists <laughs> yeah uh,
1: and and then somebody came and complained to me about how unpleasant it was to use I was like well we'll buy you a transmit license and they came back the next day they said oh my god this is so much better um nothing against cyberduck yeah. by the way uh it, we we are you know we're we're at a point where sometimes the best and the most uh, thoughtful Mac applications get get swept under the rug because all the, you know, everything's about mobile nowadays. Um, I'm looking forward to getting my hands on with the new iMac Pro sometime soon. I don't think I'm going to buy one, but I'm at least going to oh, go try it out. Yeah. Um. And it's good for us to recognize that these these Mac developers and these Mac apps are even the the you know most plausibly prosaic apps such as an ftp client uh Mm -hmm. are are getting some love so bravo to bravo to panic bravo to transmit
0: let's talk about that for a minute because i just went and looked um transmit was released in 1998 not too bad so it's um like that's it's almost old enough to drink
1: (laughs) it is old enough to drink i think no, That's it's not. not no, till, two years. no, it's 19 years old.
0: Yeah. Wow. So as a software tool, when you think about... Here's the thing about that 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 sort of surprises me is that um, when I think about the tools that I use and rely on, like whether they're software tools or not, you know, um, my Leatherman, I've had my Leatherman uh, almost that long. I have the Leatherman Micra. It lives in my pocket. Um like I had to buy a replacement one at one point because, uh, the TSA decided it was totally fine for me to go to Canada with it in my luggage, but they decided it wasn't okay for me to come back with it. Um, not that I'm still bitter about that or anything, even though it was like 10 years ago. And, uh, (laughs) and like, when I think about those tools, the thing I, that strikes me the most about them is I don't think about them. Like, I don't think about, transmit I open it up and I do what I need to do it all makes sense I can figure out what's going on and then I'm done and then I move on to the next thing and when I need my Leatherman I get it out and use it and I put it back in my pocket and I go on with my day and those are the best kinds of tools and I I gave somebody a review of something that I have that I don't remember what it was now and I remember saying like the best review I can give you is the most boring review I can give you every time I I use it it just works it does what I want it to do And I'm done yeah and gets out of my way yeah and there's there's really something to be said for that like you know and I remember how fast things were evolving you know uh, 1998 you know like probably about 97 or so to about 2003 or 4 when we got actually no it's probably a little later than that if you want to just roll the intel transition into that where everything was changing all the time Right. So Mac OS eight was changing all the time. Mac OS nine changed all the time. Then we got Mac OS 10, which was totally different from everything we'd seen before. And then we got Intel Macs, which was totally different from anything we'd ever seen before. Like everything was changing and weird. And there was stuff that you could use all the time that would just work for you. And one of those things for me was transmit. And one of those things for me was Eudora. And like those are tools that I loved and, you know, Like, I clung to Eudora, not like Erica clung to Eudora, but boy, did I cling to Eudora. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, like, I, like, when I think about them, these are things that I sort of, like, what I like the best about them is that, like, I, I don't have to do, you know, anything with them at all. They just do what I want. And that's one of the things I like about Transmit. And one of the great features they added... Um, a while ago it's not a a particularly new feature is that if you have remote ftp servers you can just mount them like a disc on your computer and just drop stuff to it however you want to and it works itself out behind the scenes and i love that
1: yeah it's it is a a mountable mountable remote file system gets out of your way um and again for people who are who don't want to use the the client interface it's a it's a beautiful beautiful thing um I want to switch gears for a second to uh, a not so beautiful thing um, that that happened <laughs> on my in my technology world a, a couple weeks ago or a week ago, um, because I think it's a it's a well, it's an issue I wanted to bring some light to. And I, I've been thinking about blogging about it. I haven't done it yet, um, but I have a uh, Netgear. 4B, netgear uh mesh wi-fi mesh system It's not oh, technically yeah. a mesh it's a it's a it's a uh satellite based but in, in any event it's a fairly high-end fairly expensive yeah. wi-fi multi multi-station wi-fi home wi-fi setup um and it works pretty great my 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 Prior to today, or prior to this incident, I my big <laughs> issue with it is the fact that the backhaul. So it so the, it has you know eight hundred two eleven, uh, B G A A B you know all all the protocols, um, but the backhaul. So the signal between the the primary and the satellites uh-huh. is an invisible Wi-Fi network, and it's on two point four gigahertz band, and it actually fights with. Uh, the wireless HDMI standard. So I have an IO gear, a little IO gear box that sends video from cable box to a project to a projector in a different floor, uh, and that, that does not work anymore because it fights with the Wi-Fi, the invisible Wi-Fi that I can't change. Um, <laughs> so uh, that is annoying, but that's not the the issue. So I was away on vacation, and I got a text from one of our our house guests saying, "Hey, the Wi-Fi is not working." And so I said, well, did you, did you re- reboot the router? Try this. Did you Is the cable modem working? She sent, me, she sent me pictures from behind the TV so I could see everything. I said, basically, look, I, I, other than telling you to turn it off and turn it on again, I can't do much in terms of troubleshooting it remotely. Yeah. Uh, sort of got to wait till I get home. She said, fine. It's like, you know, well, I can't watch Netflix. I'll, I guess I'll live. Um, <laughs> and I, when we did get home a day or two later... I determined, in fact, the the Wi-Fi was a foobar. Something something was up, so went to troubleshoot. Plugged my laptop into the cable modem. Cable that was fine. Um, you know the Wi-Fi network was up. Everything appeared to be behaving, but I was just it just wasn't working correctly. So this is a complicated, a relatively complicated system that Netgear is trying to make very simple. Uh-huh. the The base station and the satellite uh, actually can get into a state where they have divergent firmware versions. Um, it's supposed to update automatically. It doesn't always of work it that is. way. Of course it is. And in fact, what had happened in this case is the base had updated, the satellite had not. Um, I had to go downgrade the, the, the base station to the previous firmware version. Everything was working then. Upgraded the satellite, upgraded the primary again, then it wasn't working.
0: Which i have, sure was a piece of cake because you have a Mac.
1: Well, it was. A, well, actually, wasn't bad. It's. It was. A, it's a simple. It's. I didn't have to get an SFTP client, which for which I could have used Transmit. By the way. <laughs>
0: okay, that's good.
1: Uh, no, I. It, it, it the the web interface for Orbi is fine, and the mobile app is fine, and that it wasn't so much the 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 steps. It was the fact that eventually I had to factory reset my my Wi-Fi router. Oh, fantastic! In order to get it back to a working state, and this was an update that, been, that had been automatically applied by the manufacturer, and this is my this is sort of where the the, the yep. issue is, is sparked for me. It's like Netgear. I I understand that you want to silently push updates to everybody who has an Orbi. I get that that's what you want to do, and you don't want to tell people you're doing it. You just want it to be current. OK, because
0: that would be convenient for people if like I don't have to go do a software update. It just sort of shows up.
1: Well, and and in you know, in, in some respects, like from a security perspective, it's necessary. You can't right. you can't be in a sort of Internet of Things world where your customers are exposed to risk because they haven't updated and you don't have a way to make them do it. And you can send them all the emails you want and they're never going to do it. I get that. I understand that Netgear feels from a, like, from a security point of view, it's better to upgrade people than not upgrade them. But right. here's the problem. I, as a, as me, as a, you know, no, no false modesty, a technically sophisticated dude. Yes. I had to, do, I had to do work and troubleshoot and figure out what the hell had gone wrong. And I, you know, I didn't end up calling Netgear, Netgear, but I easily could have and said, what happened? It on on a piece of hardware that is necessary for me to monitor my security cameras remotely that is necessary mm-hmm. for me to unlock the door for somebody who's locked out mm-hmm. like this is a key piece of my home infrastructure and you're and you're now telling me you're gonna push an update that is b- gonna brick it and that I have to factory reset it to get it back to working and I have to be savvy enough to know to be able to do that yeah now I it's the combination of creating it, it, all all that would have had to have happened to to avoid a lot of this is if netgear had sent me 24 to 48 hours before the new firmware version rolled out said hey by the way you're going to get an automatic update and we just we only do this every once a quarter we're going to do an automatic update everything should go fine if it doesn't these are these are the specific troubleshooting steps And here's a link to what what to do if it doesn't go fine, but it should go fine and send that email out. Now, I understand that's going to in and of itself generate some support churn and people are going to email in and say, what the hell? But isn't that better than what happened to me, which is I had I was, you know, in a degraded service state for 48 hours that I couldn't do anything about because I wasn't at my house and that when i did get to my house i had to go through 2 hours of troubleshooting to figure out what the hell had happened i if i hadn't looked to see that there had been a firmware update roughly in the time frame where the problem occurred i would i would have had no idea and i would have been on the on hold with netgear for an hour to figure out what the hell was going on and so, then when you
0: finally got the call answered you to come in hot i mean
1: <laughs> I like, yes i would have been angry yeah
0: what's going on i've been without wi-fi for days what why isn't anything working you know like n- not to mention the fact that at your house given the permanent residence of your house that you know being deprived of netflix could inside a riot
1: <laughs> well you you host the house of crackpot theories i host the house of great british baking show addicts um yeah. so so this this is a topic, uh, you know, a bigger topic, and one we can revisit. But the question is, in a in a an ecosystem where more and more of the stuff that helps run the stuff is being silently and imperceptibly administered or you know mm-hmm. or managed by other parties. What's the responsibility around transparency? What can they do that's going to make it less likely to get customers backed into a corner? I don't know the answer, but I mean, I I think it's important that we start thinking about it.
0: We need to talk about it because I'll tell you what. um, Cisco bought Netgear. Yes. And um, after that happened, there... My memory is a little fuzzy about it because I have since dismissed it, but there was something where people were getting updates pushed to their routers automatically. Yeah. Like a while afterwards. Um, And, and people were like, I don't like that. I want to be able to review it before I apply it. It's not like I'm going to wait a year. I just need like 24 hours to make sure it's not going to screw up the networking that I have. Mm -hmm. And I remember people being kind of upset about it. And I had a Netgear router and, but mine was like, like a generation before they were actually able to do this automatically so mine never did it and then mine died and knowing that netgear was going to do whatever they wanted with my router i didn't buy a netgear router like that was literally the only thing that went into
1: the purchase dismissing
0: well it's Other stuff went into what we actually did buy, but the reason that Netgear did not become part of that conversation is because I said, no, I don't want them pushing the update to my router for me. And the reason for that is because much like you, but on a larger scale, they pushed some update that bricked a bunch of people.
1: Right. And and, and, we're like
0: using them in, in business settings. Like I work from my home and I have this, you know, separate line that comes into my house and I need to manage that with the router that I have and the setup that it's using and you bricked it.
1: Yeah, and I can't turn it off. I mean, I, I I would love to be able to make these updates opt in or give me give me an alert or give me a twenty four hour countdown or whatever. Yeah, there is no way for me to do that on this platform. I understand that Netgear that Netgear slash Cisco has made a decision that this is the way that the, these consumer devices are going to be managed. And I think big picture in terms of managing the risk of you know yeah. IoT devices, uh, a widely distributed set of of infrastructure devices that don't have current firmware. I mm-hmm. think, I think big picture, that's the right decision. But but it's not the right decision for me. It's like it well, doesn't. Well, it's not doesn't the doesn't right decision to do it
0: on the low either. Like that's the rest I mean, of the problem is that you had no idea that this is what actually happened until you went and looked. Right and that's my problem with that stuff is i don't want it to be silent like i will click okay 99 percent of the time on that notification that there's an update whether it's you know because we've talked about how much weird crap i have at my house you can run with your phone and and i click okay on those on those little notifications all the time right there's a firmware update for the wemo there's a firmware update for the smart things there's a firmware update for the hue like i know but I make you tell me so that I know so that tomorrow, when my network has gone the way of mics, I have some idea that like everything worked fine. And then I said, okay, to a firmware update, and now it's a disaster. Exactly. So like, that's all I want. Is, like you were saying, you know, send me an email or, you know, give me a notification. Like maybe there's an app that you can manage or be stuff remotely and like, make the app tell me, hey. Let me put a notification on your phone that there's an update and you should run it. And I would be okay with that. I would allow those updates. That would make me happy. I would have awareness. I'm not going to babysit me th- that. You know, or, just or tell at, me.
1: Le- at least give me the flash style control panel that says uh, "I, I either want to get these automatically and silently or I want to download them and be notified and then say yes yes no I mean give give me a little bit of control and I again I get why for the market that this this product is addressing the choice they've made is the choice they've made I just think that it's for me problematic and like you had I had I had the had I had the visibility into how this was going to get managed when I was shopping if it had been something that's like, you know, by the way, Netgear is going to push updates to you, and one time out of ten, they're going to screw something up, and you're not going to know about it in advance, and you're not going to have a completely transparent way of knowing that it's happened mm-hmm. until after it's happened, yeah, it might have made some different decisions. So, yeah. so, uh, you know, I I think that I think that this is going to become a blog post. That this is going to become something that I need to address. And and honestly, the the. The ecosystem risk of having embedded devices that never get their firmware updated and are running, you know, old versions of SSL oh, never yeah, yeah. get patched is That's huge terrible. and systemic and problematic. Right. And so,
0: I absolutely get that.
1: So, so there's there's a balance to be struck, but this, the 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 push by default, the lack of controls, and the stealthiness or the silence mm-hmm. around it. is a bad is a toxic combination
0: and see that's the thing is the that's why i don't disagree this is why i disagree with you that i understand why they made the decision that they made because right now wi-fi mesh networking is so new and everyone i know who's doing it has some sort of particular a there there are two things about everybody i know who has gone to one of these systems whether it's orbi or um
1: the euro euro that's yep. what i was
0: thinking of euro which just had a huge rev by the way and looks really cool and if i was going to buy one that's probably what i'd get um the the re- there are people i know who are doing this for two reasons number one they are the sort of people who are technologically savvy enough to have solved this problem a different way with hardware you could have bought a year ago two years ago and second of all, like they have a particular need in their networking setup in order to do this. They are people who are willing to go in and like hand write a config file in the command line on their computer so that they know that they've got things going the way that they need them to go. They have the know how and they have the patience to go do something like that. I used to have to be that person. That's why I know who that person is. And the thing. The thing to me about this is that, like, I get that maybe they're trying to make this something that's accessible to everybody, but they should have a certain amount of skepticism about how that works when you give it to actual users. And when you're Netgear, you have been selling consumer equipment for ages. All you need to do is go find the people who answer those phone calls. And talk to them about the existing Wi-Fi networking stuff that you already sell, and then figure out how to proof against that stuff. So yeah, the lack of transparency, especially when you consider, like you said, you know, um, I could be locked out of my house,
1: or someone else could happens. be locked out of my house. Yeah, um,
0: yeah, like my house could be inaccessible because of this. My house could be my dark, sec-
1: my secure, or yeah, my my <laughs> security cameras, my my ability to remotely monitor what's going on. I mean, that's that. This is. This is all stuff that we depend on, and it it the linchpin is connectivity. So mm-hmm. you know maybe maybe I should be you know thinking about different ways of doing that. The funny thing is, of course, you know most uh, traditional alarm systems like well you have to just hook this up to your landline. I can't get a landline. I can't. I mean I can't. It it would. It's gonna. I'm gonna be arguing with Verizon for weeks if I try to get a traditional copper, plain old yeah. telephone service line. So you you can't. You can't on the one hand say, you know, automate all the things, Alexa all the things, uh, Google Home all the things, uh, you know, Apple Home all the things, and at the same time be saying, well, you know, we're going to arbitrarily uh, nuke your Wi-Fi from, orb- from orbit uh, when we feel like it. We we could go on with this rant for some time. Yes. We have we do <laughs> unfortunately have have days to get to at this point, so we're gonna we're gonna close it out. But Kelly, any quick shout outs that you would like to? Uh, to give before we roll on
0: well as per tradition uh the the first and oldest of the shout outs is hi chris fuller hey and um and i have to put a footnote on that for people who are not chris fuller um uh mike ran into him in person and got him and recorded him saying hi to me back so finally (laughs) i actually got one um also hi to info driveway who every time i say hi chris fuller on the podcast when he's listening to the show he texts me and says hi kelly hi mike and so um (laughs) i i enjoy that very much so hi jonathan and uh hi phone boy hi Brittany, hi diane i'm like i know her name is cincy golf girl and i can't remember her name um for those people who who may remember uh Brittany was the one who gave me the amazing Star Wars shirt, and uh, I also have another amazing Star Wars shirt from her that I will post later. We will put a link to it in the show notes. Um, it's super amazing. And um, of course, hello to my blazer compadre Kelly a coin, because uh, uh, Dollar Bill is awesome. And um
1: And Kelly is now appearing as uh, Hercules Mulligan in turn on AMC. so Oh, check
0: that's that right. Out. Yeah, check it
1: out. We also want to do a shout out to Len Tofu, um, who is uh, my neighbor and who also listens to the show. Um, (laughs) So, Lenny, how's it going? Hi, Um,
0: Lenny. (laughs) That's uh, awesome. I think it's so funny that you have a neighbor who listens to your podcast, and like I would probably have to explain to my neighbors what a podcast is.
1: I, well, the, I guess that's the difference between Brooklyn and Portland, is that in Brooklyn, uh, everybody has already had a podcast uh, yeah. and, and now is, you know, Twitch live streaming their <laughs> their morning coffee, because that's the new thing. Um well, and hi to everybody. Thank you all for, for listening. Thank you all for being a part of the after show family. Um it's a dysfunctional family, but it's a family nonetheless. And uh, we put
0: the we, fun in dysfunctional damage.
1: We we certainly do. Uh we will be back uh in in relatively short order. Uh in the meantime, Kelly, where can the people find you?
0: My goodness. Um you can occasionally find me on other podcasts. Um primary among them is the podcast I host with Don Melton about Westworld which is super exciting and probably going to get super exciting very soon because it's Comic-Con right now and maybe we'll get some cool announcements out of that um you can find me on the Mac Observer Daily Observation podcast over at MacObserver.com. I'm usually on on Wednesdays, but I occasionally make a bonus appearance. And occasionally you can find me on uh, the material podcast with Andy and Notko. And while we're at it, I need to give Andy and Notko a shout out because um, at the end of App Camp this week, there was a, a a guy who came to pick up his daughter and I walked by and he said, oh, hey. And I looked and I didn't recognize him. And I said, Hi and he said um, i saw you on mac break weekly 3 years ago talking about app camp and i've been waiting until my daughter was old enough so she could come and i'm really excited that she got to come oh my
1: gosh that's amazing
0: so that's shout amazing. out to andy for having me on 3 years ago to talk about app camp for girls <sighs> and um and that was just such a nice story and i i I was really glad that that I got to tell him about that later. I'm like, I'm going to send Andy a note right now. (laughs) So um, and and of course, Andy was lovely and said anything that he can do that helps app camp, you know, is is delightful. Um, I think uh, you can also find me on Twitter. Well, I know you can also find me on Twitter as Verso. Um, And if you keep an eye on my Twitter feed, you will see when I'm on other podcasts. For example, I was on a very recent episode of Mac Power Users.
1: Fantastic! So,
0: there's lots oh, of stuff that you can find there,
1: and a belated shout out to all of the um, all of the Mac stock attendees and participants, including yeah. including birthday boy Brett Terpstra. Happy birthday, Brett! Uh, at TT scoff um brett was one of the presenters at at max stock uh i was sorry not to be there i was there last year i had a wonderful time did not get get did not did not make it out there this year um but also the mac mommy was there dave chartier was there um apple alley was there i believe uh so a bunch of people great time was had
0: allison by all sheridan was there allison sheridan uh, there yeah Guy Half my Twitter feed was in the same place.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it's always nice to see that. And I, I will tell you, for anyone who's in the Midwest, um, next year do check out uh, Max Stock. It's a wonderful, um, it's a it's a wonderful family reunion and, and no, a lot no, of fun. Don't
0: wait till next year. Get a jar right now <laughs>
1: and, and start putting, write putting quarters Max in stock
0: it. on the side, and there's where your change goes. Yeah, yeah.
1: put your your Mac yeah. Stock. And jar. you know
0: why? Because I'm trying super hard to go next year, and so Yay. is Mike. I already decided for him, and so we're gonna meet up and record an episode in person.
1: that's going to be fantastic. And it might be. In the middle of the country. Perfect. It's got to be in the middle That's what we'll do. We'll just
0: meet halfway, and there we go.
1: (laughs) That's the plan. Um, You can find me at Mike T. Rose on the Twitters. You can also find the show at the underscore aftershow and aftershowpodcast.com. And, of course, you can find us here wherever you listen to podcasts. We are glad to be with you, and we will see you again very soon.